0: If you have your Bibles, I want you to open it to Romans 1. If you don't have one handy, just listen. I want to set up this uh, message today with a statement that is not only relevant today, but it's always relevant because it's the Word of God, but it, it speaks to this matter of truth. And truth is the hardest to find commodity on planet Earth apart from God. Amen. And it says in Romans chapter 1 that God reveals his his wrath, his unhappiness against mankind when they hold the truth in unrighteousness. And it goes on to say that when they knew God, verse 21, chapter 1, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And, and the reason this passage is so relevant today is, I don't know about you, but I, I just feel like logic and reason have left the building on planet Earth. I, I, I hear things that happen and I go, well, that doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? And yet it just seems to be coming faster and faster. The more, most radical thing today seems to be speaking truth. It seems that doublespeak becomes more appropriate. I, I like to watch headlines, as you know, and I especially like to watch the New York Post headlines because they always have the most interesting headlines outside of American faith. Is that fair? <laughs> but let me just show you an image. This was the, the cover from page six, and it said it well insanity and it asks the question so why the pandemic? why the new mask mandates? why no common sense? And I love it when mainstream uh, stream media begins to ask questions like this why are you doing this? what's going on and I I think we're we're living in a day which with so much duplicity of thought, so much confusion of reason and what makes sense that, it causes us to step back and just go, I don't get it. There is a great delusion that seems to be going on. The, the Scriptures speak about that, that that will be one of the characteristics of the latter days, and surely uh, we could all agree that we've never seen a time where there's more of that today. Uh, with the recent um, reinstitution of the mask mandate, when the numbers don't indicate that the mask, number one, do any good, number two, that we need it. It made me go, what is going on? Then I saw this other headline from The Defender. If you're not familiar with this, this is a great uh, source. It's actually Robert Kennedy Jr., so he is not uh, a right-wing conservative. He is just the opposite, but he has a great site for vaccines and especially for children, for you moms, I'd really recommend it. But uh, this was a headline, Pfizer Projects $33 Billion in COVID Vaccine Revenues Driven by Boosters and Vaccines for Kids. So sometimes when things don't make sense, you follow the money. If the money doesn't lead you there, you follow the power to oversee your life or somehow control your life, which doesn't make sense. We live in a country that is founded on the idea of freedom that God has made us free, and that we have moral choices, and we have uh, decisions that we can make that dictate our future. Um, and yet, seems that that is coming to at least a challenge, if nothing else. Uh, last week, I talked a little bit about the mama bears of these two women in Illinois who had no political experience but were heartbroken for their two kids that were suffering in school, one because of a staph infection caused by an eight-year-old caused by a mask and forced to be in isolation in her classroom and on the playground, and they finally had had enough. And I, I've, I've said a long, long ago that when you get enough moms that are mad, things will change. Just ask the dads. They will affirm that. Amen? But what they were able to do, and just if you weren't here, let me just uh, kind of reiterate that. What they were able to do was to get all the mask mandate permanently erased from all federal buildings and schools in the whole state of Iowa. So don't think you can't do anything. And then they thought, well, let's just keep pushing, and so they got the governor to uh, actually put in an executive order to where the Pledge of Allegiance is now uh, in every public school in Iowa today. And I, and I think sometimes we, we think that we're just powerless and we fall back into this, this pl- position where we're not going to do anything and what can we do and who am I and what ability do I have or what influence or, or power or money do I have. And you really don't need any of that. You just really need your voice. Your voice makes a difference. And uh, let me make this statement. Whoever you give power to will have the power to destroy you. You see, when God created us in the image of God, he created us to be just that, an image-bearer of God. Somebody who could stand and speak for God and someone who had authority and dominion over planet Earth. You see, when God made Adam and Eve, he said, I'm giving you power and authority and dominion over everything. You're going to be a partner with me on planet Earth to bring about good and to bring about change, not to sit back in complacency and let the world go to hell. That was never my calling on your life. God said that you are sons and daughters of the living God. Act like it. God said you're an ambassador for me. Act like it. God said your destiny is to be kings and priests for eternity. Act like it. You don't start then, you start now. You start to see what God can do in you and through you because you just take a step forward. You say, I don't know where I'm going with this. Most of us don't. The strategic plans of the future rarely work out, but the ones where you listen to the voice of God and realize that many are the plans of men, but God directs the steps. God never works, starts with the big and goes small. He starts with the small and goes big. It's always, the kingdom is always from the inside out, from the bottom up, from small to large. That's how God works. Do not ever underestimate who you are. Never diminish who you are. Never curse the ground that you walk on and say, I can't, I can't, I can't. Just start saying, I can. Would you say that with me? I can. You can do great exploits for the kingdom of God. Of God. I want to take you to a great story in the book of Kings. It's a story about the widow who was without money and was going to have to sell her children into slavery. And she comes to this encounter moment with the prophet of God. And I want you to keep these thoughts in your mind. The first one is this challenges do not predict your future. Right now, many of you are facing great challenges. Some of them are physical, some of them are financial. Some of them have to do with all kinds of relationships that are complicated, and you can't work your way out of it. Some of them have to do with your job and how you're going to navigate that in your future. Some of it, it just has to do with pure fear. And you've been living and walking in fear since COVID because the spirit of fear has captured your heart and your mind. And you have to step away from that and say, no, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and here it comes, and a sound mind. That means a mind that knows how to reason, process information, and come to a good decision. The end result of that is what the Bible calls wisdom. And we want to walk in wisdom. So 2 Kings chapter 4, it said, A certain woman of the wise of the sons of the prophets. Now let me explain that. There were those who followed around people like Elijah or Elisha. And they were in training, so to speak. They, were, they had a gift, and they were learning how to exercise that gift in power and authority, and they were doing that under a prophet. And so this was one that followed along with Elisha, and it says, cried out to Elisha, saying, "'Your, your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves.' So we can, we can empathize with this woman. What's happening is there's just no income. And the only thing she can do is basically sell her children into slavery. Now, if you stop there, you, you think to yourself, well, that sounds like my life. It may not be that bad, but I don't have anywhere to turn. Then can I just say you are now positioned for a miracle? You see, you have a choice. You can take that and let it go south, or you can say, no, wait a minute, I am a prime candidate to see God move in my life. Amen? Would you rather see God move or just have an oh me and oh my moment? I'd rather see God move. Amen? And so look what it says. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? What an unusual question. You would expect him to go, I feel so bad for you. Gosh, that's awful. I don't know what you're going to do. But look what he said, what, is, what should I do for you, and what's in your house? What's in your house? Do you know that God, when he works miracles, he always works with existing material and people? Well, I was praying and waiting on the Lord, and nothing happened. Well, he kind of wanted you to get involved and do something. Hello? Amen? That's a weak amen. Amen? amen. He wants you to be engaged, even if it's saying Amen? He wants you to engage in this. He says, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Oh, then you have everything. You have everything. You see, oil was a commodity that could be traded just like gold and silver. But it was more than that. It was an emblem of the Holy Spirit. Whenever the Holy Spirit came, he was always, there was always an anointing of oil, either literally or figuratively, on a person. And so when she said, all I have is a jar of oil, okay, we can work with what you have, but you have to bring what you have to God and present it before him so he can take that and multiply it and magnify it. Here's one of the things that I've learned in this season, and maybe you could agree with it, your capacity enlarges during difficulty. How many of you have ever said this, I can't take any more? Anybody ever said that? Or how about this one? I'm going to die if this doesn't stop. <laughs> Anybody? You know, and clearly, if you're hearing my voice, it didn't happen. You didn't die, right? It, it, you made it through it. But we see in that moment of desperation, you, and then you get through it, and you look back, and what do you say? Wow, I made it. I don't want to go through that again, but I am what? Stronger, better person because of it. I met God in that, in that, in that area of difficulty in a way that I never thought was possible. And that's one of the reasons that God sometimes engineers a difficulty in your life. I really believe that the the season that we've been in for the last 18 months or so, if not orchestrated directly, indirectly by God for the church, for the church to come to grips with who she's supposed to be, who you're supposed to be as an individual. Here's another truth. Conflicts in your life reveal your purpose, and they reveal your destiny. You don't learn anything in life when everything goes well. Let's just use teachers. Remember teachers when you're in school? Remember this? Anybody pay enough attention to remember there were school and teachers and all that kind of stuff? You know, the teachers you hated the most were the ones you learned the most from. I had mean, I had Miss Eilenfeld. Anybody know her? I don't know what was wrong with that woman, but she was insane. Right? My mother worked in the library, which was not a good move for a kid that gets in trouble on a daily basis. And Miss Islandfelt would grab me by the ear and she would drag me down the hall by the ear. That's why this ear is bigger. Some of you are looking to see if it's true. But she would drag me down the hall and then she would stand there and shake my ear and tell my mother, say to my mother, tell him what, tell your mother what you've done. And I would say what I've done. And it wasn't shocking to my mother at all. And my mother was one of those spacey moms, you know. She really never connected A and B. No, I loved her, but she just couldn't connect A and B. It just never made sense. But it always worked in my favor when I got in trouble. And she said to Miss Eilenfeld, I know I can't do a thing with him either. Which is not what the teacher wanted to hear. The teacher wanted to hear, I'm going to take him home. I'm going to give him, you know, a licking. I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. But no, no, no. You see, but what happened is I learned a lot from Miss Eilenfeld. I learned who I didn't want to marry. Amen. (laughs) Right? I learned a lot from this Island, but I really did learn in that challenge of that moment, I learned, and you all know, if you look back in a tough time in your life, how much did you draw closer to God in that season because of the challenges and the difficulties you found yourself in? And God works all things to the good. Amen. You can put your hands together for that. God does work all things to the good, to them, now not to everybody. Not everybody does God work all things to the good. The Bible says God works all things to the good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, when you walk in the love of God, when you walk in the focus of God, what's happening is he's transforming your heart and your mind day by day into his image so that you grow into his likeness. And then the next challenge comes, you're better able to face it. Here's the second truth obedience and diligence set the stage for a miracle. You can't really see the miracles God wants you to see without obedience and without diligence. Hmm. Isn't that a shame? Wouldn't it be nice if you just get miracles and there's no purpose and reason behind it? God just, I just, I don't know, I'm like the rich grandfather, I'm just gonna throw money at you. But before long, it, there's a diminishing return and it doesn't seem to have value. 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 3 Then he said remember what do you have in the house oil then go borrow vessels everywhere from all your neighbors empty vessels do not gather a few so what is he telling her to do i want you to go knock on every door and i want you to get a pot a pan i want you to get a bowl i want you to get a glass i want you to get anything that will basically hold oil that's what i want you to do now she's probably thinking to herself All I have is one little jar of oil. What am I going to do with that? Then he says, and when you have come in, shut the door. Shut the door. The Hebrew word for shut is the same word that's translated ambush. When you shut the door, and we're going to see this in another scripture, when you shut the door and you tune out all of the the voices in your life, you ambush the enemy who's trying to attack you. you want to ambush Satan? Shut the door and begin to seek God. And everything he brings against you is going to be turned away. This is not about you. This is about him. Shut the door behind you and your, you and your sons and pour all of, in, it in all of those vessels and set aside the full ones. Now imagine this. She's probably thinking to herself, this is the craziest stunt I've ever seen. I've got bowls and I've got pots and I've got and I've got one little jar of oil and she begins to pour and it, it, and as long as the vessel's there and she's pouring, it's filling up. She goes to the next one, she's filling it up. She goes to the next one, it's filling up. And every time one gets full, she sets it aside. She sets it aside. She sets it aside. She sets it aside. And all of a sudden, she's seeing a multiplying of uh, miracle here, of multiplication happening right before her very eyes. You see enemies will try to ambush your faith. People are always going to try to ambush your faith, and sometimes they're not even, you don't feel like they're an enemy or they're even trying to create a problem. They're just, they're an enemy of your faith because they're ambushing you. Something like this. Hey, I really believe the Lord wants me to do this, and and somebody will say, well, you know, I tried that. That really doesn't work. That's an enemy. Ooh, that's kind of strong. I just said that to somebody. No, that's an enemy of the faith, may not be your personal, it's an enemy of your faith. Oh, do you really think God can come through and work in that way? It's an enemy of your faith. The only way that you're going to see that miracle is you have to shut the door. You have to ambush the enemies of your life, and you have to focus completely on God and what God is doing. Because there's going to be a million voices in your life that are going to tell you something different. You have to listen to one voice. Listen to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, there it is again, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now, let me explain what Jesus was talking about here. In that day, the Jews would take a prayer shawl, and they would wear it over their shoulders, and when they got ready to pray, they would lift it over their head. And the little fringe that's all around the outside of the prayer shawl, there's 613 little, little fringes around the, the Jewish prayer shawl, and it represents one of the 613 commandments in the Torah. When you put the shawl over your head, you're saying, I am submitting myself to the entire law of God. Every commandment of God, I'm submitting myself to. When you shut the door, it's not talking about a closet. They didn't have closets in those days. The closet was the prayer closet. When you pulled the shawl over your face, you were shutting the door. You weren't letting people's impression of you, thoughts about you, determine what you were going to say to God. You were under the submission of the authority of God and all of his commandments, and you were tuning out the world. You were shutting the door, and you were going into your secret place. You see, you have a secret place, but did you know that God has a secret place too? God says he will shelter us under his wings in the secret place. When I enter into this presence of God, into my secret place, I enter into his secret place. And God reveals things in his secret place. He doesn't reveal any other time to any other people, only in the secret place. And when you shut the door, you're saying, I'm fully committed to be under the commandments of God. God, and maybe your first first confession is, God, I know I am weak, and I know I am sinful, but I am your child nevertheless. And you love me nevertheless, and nothing shall ever separate me from the love of God. Nothing. And when I come under submission, I want to tune out. I want to shut the door. I want to ambush my enemies. Ambush them. Stop them before they get started in your life. Don't let them start to drill into you and bring truth and have truth into your life and confuse you. You have to shut the door. And guess what? The God who sees in secret, look at what it says. He will reward you openly I love that you mean the manifestation of what God is doing in prayer will come outwardly what if i don't do that then i bypass what god wants to do in my life i bypass the revelation of god the blessings of god the rewards of god do you know god is a rewarder god those who come to god must believe that he is hebrews 11 and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You mean God likes to reward his children? Yeah. Don't you like to reward your children? We just spent a week watching two grandkids. What a great joy. The grandkids are better people. <laughs> Amen? They're just better people. I don't know what, you know, and you say, don't spoil them. No, you spoil them. You just ruin them. You just, just You give them everything they want. They stay up. They eat whatever they want. Parents are out of town. It's just fun right? So uh, we got Riley, and, and she's nine years old, and she's a, a cute little girl, and, and so we go to this, we go to Pike's Peak, and we wanted to buy some of these polished rocks. You ever seen the little polished rocks? You know, they, they sell them for like an enormous amount of money. They're just still a rock, okay? But so I tried to buy the, these rocks, and the lady says, well, we're out of bags, so we can't sell you rocks. And i go going, this is a bad business operation here, I mean, I'll fill up my pocket. I mean, I don't care. I don't need a bag. No, no, we can't sell you rocks. We have no bags. Okay, so the next day, we drive down to Boulder, Colorado, and we go into Boulder, and, and we go in one shop, and we find a rock, and it's $6 for this little polished rock. I, I ain't paying $6 for a rock. I mean, I, I'm generous, and you are my granddaughter, but there's no way you're getting a $6 rock. I'm sorry. I'm cutting you off. All right? Oh, I wanted that rock. You can just hear him, right? I, my rock. It's the only rock like that in the world, right? Haven't you said that? Yeah, I wanna buy a car. It's the only car like that. Yeah, it's like the Ford. Remember the Ford Limited? The Galaxy Limited? You ever hear this? One? Limited? They made 50 million of them. What was limited about that? So, anyway, she wants the rock. So now we go into another store and it's like this old school kind of candy store and uh, we go over there and they have rocks for sale and they have bags. And it says it's $6 for a bag. I said, Riley, here's your rocks. See how many rocks you can get in that bag. It's not a big bag. She got 33 rocks. Now, if I'd have bought them at the other place times $6, well, you do the math. That's a couple hundred bucks, right? What's the point? I don't know, but it's a great story. No, the point is, you, you love to spoil your children. Did you know you're a child of God? Did you know that God loves to spoil you? He loves to bless you. He loves to take care of you. Did she deserve the rocks? No. She did, did she work for the rocks? No. Did she pay for the rocks? No. What's the difference between me and her and the Father and you? You don't always have to work for what God blesses you with. You're not willing to pay for it, and you probably don't deserve it. But God says, I love you, and you're my child, and I want to bless you. God is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Amen? I'm glad we brought that back to a purpose. All right, now, (laughs) here's another thought. Your mindset will limit your miracle. Your mindset will limit your miracle. How many of you ever do self-talk? You ever do this? You're talking to yourself all the time. You're saying, yeah, Phil, you really got it together today. Oh, man, that was a bad move. Oh, you're going to fail today. Oh, this is good. Oh, yeah, yeah, you stand in front of the mirror. You look pretty good. Then somebody says, what's wrong? You don't look well. What happened? The mindset, everything changed. What happens? You see, your mindset sets the framework for what God can and will do in your life. You see, the, the words of your mouth are either gonna be life or they're gonna be death. Are you speaking life over your life and over your future and over your family and over your community? Are you speaking death over it? I always say, don't curse ground you walk on. You're walking on, why would I say, oh, this is a horrible day? Oh, man, nobody loves me. Oh, what a disaster. Oh, I'm defeated what chance do I have? I'll never get that job. This won't work for me. You're cursing the ground you walk on. Bless the ground you walk on. I can't wait for that new job. I can't wait for that new relationship. Man, I tell you, good things are coming my way. I don't know where they are. It reminds me of the story of the little optimist, little pessimist. You ever hear this story? This went, was, went back in the country years ago. And the mother called up the pastor and said, can you come over? You need to talk to my two sons, two twins, one an optimist, one a pessimist. Yeah, well, what's the the problem? Well, you know, he's always negative. He's always positive. He said, I'll tell you what you do. You go out and you buy three of the finest toys you can find and give it to that little pessimist for Christmas. Well, really? You think that's a good idea? Yep. And then what about the little optimist? I said, you go out in the barnyard and you scoop up what you find laying there and put it in a box. Because we got to bring that little optimist down, but we got to pick that little pessimist up. So the preacher goes by on, on Christmas Day to see how it was going, and the, the little pessimist was sitting out on the, on the front porch. He was all discouraged and defeated. How was Christmas? Worst Christmas I've ever had. Well, what happened? Well, I got, a, I got a, a motorcycle, but I broke the key off in it, and it won't work. I got a remote control airplane, and I crashed it into the barn. And I got a pony, and he ran away. Oh, where's your brother? Oh, he's out there in the barnyard acting all happy and crazy. He goes out there, hey, how was Christmas? Now, remember what he got in the box. He said, it's best Christmas I ever had in my life. What'd you get? I got a pony. I just got to find him. (laughs) How are you looking at life? Like an optimist or like a pessimist? Like a child of God who has a father who loves you? Or are you looking like someone who isn't loved? Well, let me take you one step further in the story. Faith meets your expectation. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 5 and 7. She went from him, and she shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said unto her, there is not another vessel, and the oil ceased. The moment you stop allowing yourself to be filled by God is when the miracles stop. The moment you think you're sufficient, the miracles stop. The moment you go to God and say, I've got this one. The moment you say to God, you take care of the big stuff, I'll take care of the little, the miracles will stop. God wants to be God over all of your life. God wants everything to be brought to him by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That the, that the requests of God, that the power of God, that the miracles of God might be sufficient in everything you do. Then she came and she told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your son shall live on the rest. Isn't it interesting? That miracles began with what she had in the house. What are the miracles in your house that if you offered them to God could be multiplied? What's the talent that's in your house that if you offered to God, it could be multiplied? What's the talent in your community? What's the opportunities in your community? What can you see it, that, that you don't see now, but you're going to look with a different set of eyes? You're going to look with the possibility eyes. You're going to look with the, the spiritual eyes. You're going to look with the eye of a miracle in mind. What's there? You see, your future is also determined by whom you choose to believe. I found that negative people seem to find negative people. That's their friends. How are you doing? Terrible. Oh, you need to go over there. Whole group of them over there. You know, when you bring that negativity into your heart, it affects you. How are you doing today? Terrible. How were you yesterday? Horrible. What's tomorrow look like? Bad. I mean, that gives me a pain I can't locate. I don't know about you. Listen to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, that is, He exists. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Here's a truth I want you to remember one day of favor is worth a thousand days of labor. ever got jealous because somebody got blessed? I have. Anybody else here? Just raise your hand. Yeah, I got, why'd they get blessed and not me? You ever had that feeling? I, I mean, God, I know you love me. You've got to love me more than that guy. I mean, look at him, Lord. Don't look at me like you're spiritual. You don't know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. How come that guy got the promotion I didn't get the promotion? Because that you want to get under the favor of God. God, I just want to, I I bring you nothing but me. That's all I bring. That's all I got. I offer everything I have to you, God. God, would you just purify my heart, my mind, forgive me of my sin. God, would you just allow your favor to begin to come upon me. Just be an honest, sincere prayer before the Lord. And then make your future so big that yesterday disappears. You see, too often we look back at what we've lost instead of what God wants to provide. Make your future so big that everything you just got so excited about in, in, in the past diminishes because of what God's doing in your future. I can remember when I first came to faith in Christ. I was in college, and, and I, uh, I was just overwhelmed with His grace and His love. Do you remember that day? You know, when you first came to Christ, and it was just like you were just caught up with just being forgiven, just being forgiven. And I remember day in and day out, you know, that first year especially, just thanking God for being forgiven and being loved by him and just being a child of his. And I and I didn't know the Bible, didn't know much about it. I just, I would just, there was a heart of gratitude in me. You know, and then you kind of go through life a little bit, and you look back and you go, I've kind of lost a little bit of that that gratitude, and that appreciation for the goodness of God. God always wants to bring us back to the beginnings. See, the point of departure is the point of return. You want to go back to that place so that your future, now, it looks greater, my future. And I was praying on this one day, and, and God said, you know, remember how good it was when you, the first year you were saved? He said, yeah, God, I remember that. He said, it's better now. And I said, really, God? Yeah, it's better now. You understand me now. Back then, you just understood forgiveness. Now you understand me now. Now you're closer to me. You know the Bible better. You know life and what makes sense in life. And it's not just so simple. Now it's more complicated, but it's deeper and it's richer. Amen? You know, that all began with a moment of salvation. That's how it begins. But from that moment of salvation, you grow and you grow and you grow. And, And then every day, you learn how to find victory in your life. I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and I'm going to ask you to, to, uh, to repeat after me a declaration of victory. I'm going to ask you to come. We want to, we want to just bless you today. So if you'd like to come, we're going to read this together. Just slip out from where you're standing or sitting and come here to the front. And, and there's something that's powerful that happens when we gather together. So just come on up here. Just come on up here. It won't hurt, I promise you. We're going to put a blessing on you, a prophetic blessing on you this morning. And and this prophetic blessing will stick. It will be a part of your life. You see, everything is an act of faith. Everything in your life is an act of faith. Am I going to act on faith with what God shows me today? So uh, the words of this are going to be on the screen here, and I'm just going to read it. You can repeat after me. In the secret place... Of the Most High God. I have victory over my enemies. God has surrounded me with his holy angels. His word is my strength, and his spirit is my power. He delivered me from the arrows that fly by day. The darkness is powerless. Because of the blood of the Lamb. I refuse fear. I choose power. I live on the promises of God. I will serve the King all the days of my life and reap huge rewards for my faithfulness. Now, if you receive that as your prophetic blessing over you, just say, I receive it. I receive it you see that's a step of faith when we receive something we say God I'm gonna I'm gonna make that mine I'm gonna own that in my life and when you do you begin to walk in your destiny and your purpose how God's designed you to be and the world may be falling apart it may be filled with challenges and difficulties but you know what you can thrive in the middle of all of that and God can give you wisdom on how to do that amen Amen. You know, if you've never received Christ, we just want to encourage you to to reach out to him right now. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the Bible says you will be saved. Isn't that a great promise?